Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. All right, happy Saturday night, and uh, welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, Advanced Smallier, your weekend wine guy and commodore of cocktails. Hey, thanks for joining us right here every Saturday night, 6 to 7 p.m. on 570-KVI. If you ever miss a show, I invite you to check out the website, happyhourradio.net. And if you are doing some tweeting, got a couple tweeters out there, uh, check me out, at Happy HR Radio. Um, we're coming up on, uh, it is summertime, it's officially summer. Thank goodness, you can tell by the clouds in the sky, of course. Um, hoping we get some sunshine, a lot more sunshine on our way. And I know that July, uh, we know that here in Seattle, July, summer starts July 5th. <laughs> That's when the rain ends. Um, but uh, we've got this cool indoor event and uh, fourth annual event called Proof, the Washington Distillers Festival. It's July 9th over at the Fremont Studios. And I'm pleased to have the, uh, well, the man behind uh, the curtain, uh, Dick Stevens of Varsity Communications, who is the uh, executive director founder of the event. He's here to chat up and also the founding president of the Washington Distillers Guild, Stephen Stone, also of Sound Spirits, uh, one of our local craft distilleries. In fact, if not the first or second of our call, yeah, number one, <laughs> he's giving me the high sign. And uh, I've got um, a cool cat bartender in town because we're also going to chat uh, with um, an author who is talking about the Manhattan Project. It's uh, I'm not talking about the big bomb. I'm talking how to get bombed with cocktails, Manhattans, where to find the best Manhattan in the United States. Philip Green will be on the line. He's written a book. And we've got uh, Robert Rowley, who's a local bartender of Oliver's Twist uh, fame. And he's going to be mixing up uh, some tasty beverages. And, you know, it's happy hour. That's what we do. Uh, but right now, uh, let's get to it. Uh, Dick Stevens, hey, welcome back. It's good to be back, Chris. Thanks for having us back in the studio. Yeah, well, it's uh, anytime <clears throat> we're talking about uh, hundreds of bottles of booze, right? <laughs> I want to be in on it. So, fourth annual Proof Distillers Festival. Um, give me a little synopsis of last year. How'd it go? Uh, truthfully, it was our best ever. Uh, best attended, uh, most support from distilleries, uh, most support from the community in the form of tickets, uh, and then just the social media componency with this event, even different than other, than other food and libation events we produce. The velocity of conversation on the social media, we were trending. It was Seattle Mariners 1 and Proof number 2 uh, last year on the day of the event, which was pretty cool. Uh, I really feel that the event has not only been woven itself into the cocktail culture of Seattle, but it's starting to get attention around the region and even across the country. Well, it's... Uh, it- it's time. I mean, it takes, what, three to remember? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> third time's a charm, right? Uh, yeah, third time's a charm. And we are talking about the fourth. Um, on J- July 9th, the Fremont Studios, uh, for those of you who have never been there, a uh, really cool place. It's actually a working studio where they, well, do movies and it's a movie, drink. It's a movie soundstage, <laughs> yeah. For uh, They've actually shot some Academy Award-winning footage in there that's been uh, in Academy Award-winning movies. And I think a lot of people are familiar with it, but the people who aren't... Um, it's right in the heart of Fremont. There's a lot of surface street parking. Uh, what we do with both Studio A and Studio B to fit a thousand people in there is take it over, uh, make it a really 
fun, sensual environment with lighting and sound. Um, this year's event, I'm really stoked to say this, is another record. Now, we haven't sold the, the seats out yet or the, the participants. We still have some way to go. Uh, but we're at 46 distilleries registered. We're at a spot now we can't accept anymore. We're uh, not even a waiting list. We can't fit any more people in there. We are at a record high for sponsorships. Great partners. Uh, nearly returned every single sponsor from the previous years. And then as far as the programming, other new things in the mix. Uh, trying to make this as an interactive showcasing. And not just a walk and talk and, and you sip it's really about learning. Um, we want people to come in who don't know much about spirits, which we feel still represents a big part of the audience out there. They come in and not feel shy, ask questions about how are these things made? What's the difference in creation? And I think the thing that separates us from other great events that have distilleries featured at Proof is you're meeting the makers. These Most of the registrants are bringing the guys like Steven, who are the true masters in creating this product. I think the other thing that separates us is it's just an absolutely top-shelf production. There's a lot of time and energy and resources spent to make this unique because this is the flagship event of the Guild. This is not a one-off production of uh, just having a good time. This is meant and designed to be a standard-setting event that others can follow. Well, we're excited about it. Um, I remember being at the first one down at the Foundry right. in uh, Soto. Yeah. Great spot. Um, and uh, you... You quickly outgrew that location, and it's cr really fun to be at uh, Fremont Studio. So July 9th, that's a s Saturday, Saturday night. night. Yeah, we have two kinds of tickets. Uh, there's a VIP ticket that goes from 4.30 to 9 p.m., which is the full full ability for anybody to come in there. By the time we air uh, on July 2, we'll probably be sold out of the VIP, so it'll just be the grand tasting tickets, and those are good uh, from 5.30 to 9. So there's a lot of time to taste the event is big enough, but also small enough that you'll see everything and have a chance to experience it. On the restaurant front, uh, if you go to proofwashington.org, really great restaurant partnerships, 15 different gourmet food bite stations, both from a pairing standpoint, uh, food and yummy standpoint, but also just be real responsible. We want to have as much food as we can to also go well with the sampling. Um, so when people are coming in there, I would recommend don't don't eat dinner. Don't... don't uh, gouge yourself on pizza down the street come in and, and enjoy what, what's been put together for you because it's a really a really great showcase and a lot of protein elements a lot of great bites all gourmet stuff well i always say grab some pizza anytime you walk by a pizza place you got to grab a slice <laughs> that's just a little bit of living the life that's and right plus you get a little base because i know the first thing you enter by the time you figure out you're hungry you might have already you know have a, a couple sips that's true it's good to have a little uh, a little, a little Dwight Stone's uh, landing pad there so to speak yes um, and 46 distilleries that's fantastic uh, Stephen how many do we have here at Stephen Stone uh, former what former president but the first president right you're like George Washington of the Washington Distillers Guild yeah I um, me and a couple of guys we started the guild and I was the first president after we uh, actually got it officially established as a nonprofit for two, three, four years. So yeah, a total number of distilleries. I don't know if, if the listeners realize, but Seattle ha or Seattle has the most distilleries of any other city in the nation. Washington has the most distilleries of any other state in the nation. We're up to 140-something now. 140 distilleries? Yeah. Wow. I wonder if that's biting into our wheat output. <laughs> I'm hoping, yeah, I'm hoping it's- like Cereal uh, grains. Getting them to grow more. 
Um, well, that's funny. You were the first president. You got a couple guys to create this uh, this nonprofit association for the Washington Distillers it's called the Guild. Uh, so you had a president, and a vice president, and a treasury. All three had some uh, titles. Did you pick it? Pick a card or draw straws? Well, believe it or not, as you know, the way things go, it was originally just a website and a forum. And so it was years later that we actually got it established as a nonprofit and made it official. Yeah. That's great. And uh, you know, we all need a face and, and also a an opportunity to, to voice concerns and issues and obviously alcohol. This being a control state and now with uh, the whole cannabis culture that's taking place um, and uh, making everyone hungry. <laughs> uh, it's important that we have uh, some dialogue with the legislature because I, I believe that the people in Olympia or even in Washington, D.C. don't always um, are quite as grounded with the common person for some reason or another. I'm not sure why that is. But uh, anyway, I digress. Uh, you have a bunch of restaurants, 15 restaurants. Some of those restaurants coming, uh, Dick, uh, are, uh, well, we've got Belly Speak Catering. Now, that's interesting. Is that just bacon? <laughs> you know, I think they're focused on the pork belly stuff. You yeah. know, the, From there, look at all these bacon festivals that have sprung on. There's all kinds of ways that they're, they're mixing it in. You know, what we try to do with the restaurants... Um, is we try to pair them as much as we can. So literally, we were laying the floor out today to try to put the restaurants in what we feel would be a good mix. But one thing that we started up um, two years ago is we have this thing called custom-crafted cocktail zones. So this is on top of the sampling at 46 spots where we're going to feature top mixologists like one of our guests here. And they're working with a restaurant, and they're working with a distillery to put together a really unique cocktail. So we also spread those out, so we have kind of a, a showcasing of what the product is like in a non-neat way. Uh, and that's a new element that really sprung onto life. So the restaurants and the distilleries are really working together. And uh, when they when you come to Proof, you'll get a little cool booklet, and they'll, all those spots are, are highlighted. And it's funny, when the VIPs roll in, it uh, seems like they make a blue dart to these seven spots. Uh, like For the they, cocktails. Yeah, they feel like there's probably like a, an igloo cooler that's just the, the levels keeps getting lower and lower <laughs> if they don't go get one. So um, that's really a neat element. And then the Use the Booze stage is another cool thing that I give full credit to the Guild for this vision. It's up on the stage. We're going to have four speakers. Uh, that information is also on proofwashington.org. But Chris Elford and Andy McClellan and Amanda Reed. Uh, Rebecca Service, and then also uh, Paul Clark, who's a really you know well-known author. Those people are all going to be available to the public up on that stage to talk. They hear these cool topics that are more kind of conversational, like you'd have over a cocktail, rather than these stiff kind of ivory tower subjects. Uh, you can't get a seat up Stiff there. Stiff ivory tower. I like that. You know, we don't want it to talk over people's heads. You know, talk so that somebody who doesn't know a lot can absorb it, not not get too technical. But these people that are on the stage are really handpicked by the guild. They feel like these are representatives of the movement. So they'll be up there about every 40 minutes. We'll have a new speaker up on the stage. We pull the drape so everybody can hear these people perfectly. There's always cool samples up there. But uh, that Use the Booze stage has really been uh, a big a big component and even at like the last one when at 8:30 you still can't get a seat up there that's how well attended yeah really well attended that's great good news the professionals you have joining the stage as presenters what are their backgrounds you know some of them are mixologists some of them uh, come from authorship some of them are are big in the social media they have followings um, I think what we're trying to do is pick people that can speak on a different subject, and we're replacing them with new people every year. Now, Amanda came back again. She did such a good job that we wanted to have her back up there again. And then Paul Clark is kind of... He's uh, editor of Imbibe now. 
Is he editor? Mm-hmm. Right, great. I know I've had Paul Clark uh, on my panel and uh, here in studio, yeah. cool cat. Um, proof Washington, July. Uh, is it proof? What do you call it? Proof. You know, some people call it Proof Festival. Some people, it's it's the formal title is Proof the Washington Distillers Festival. All but right. it's, you know, it's kind of like uh, a mouthful. So Proof is good. All right. Well, yeah. um, I think I'm getting on the Taste Washington. <laughs> that was Proof Washington. Uh, makes total sense. July 9th, Fremont Studios. Tickets available at proofwashington.org. 530 uh, to 9 for the general admission. Um, if you do get a chance to get a VIP ticket, if they're still available, that starts at 430. So grab it while you can. I'm sure they sold out last year. So um, We did. Do you get tokens? Is it a free-for-all, 46 distilleries? How do we pace ourselves? There is a limit on how many you get. Um, it's a generous amount, but it's not over the top. If you're still looking like you're in good form, then you can purchase extra tastings. Um, and we just always make good decisions. We've never had any, any anything that needed to have our alcohol enforcement folks step in. Uh, so everyone's been really well, well, well received, well behaved. There's plenty to sample down there. Believe me. Yeah, and there's no rush, so you don't have to come in no. and start guzzling. Really, this is a chance to uh, to imbibe responsibly, to learn, and to to enjoy the culture, and get a chance to meet uh, a bunch of entrepreneurs with a lot of energy that work way too hard and make so little money, but um, are passionate about what they do. Well, they can sell across the table, which has been a really cool thing. You can if you dig the product. You can purchase it right there, just speaking to these guys like Steven, and then pick it up at the end. So that's a really another cool plus. Uh, Sounds like duty-free almost. <laughs> kind of duty-free. I can't speak. Uh, it's all the way duty-free. We'd have a nice little break there in year one, but that's, uh, you know, they gotta, we got to oh, pay the fiddler. Right. Yeah. yeah, but the, it's all the money that is raised does help support the guild and what they're doing with, you know, lobbying and growing what they're doing. Like Steven said, it's, it's a rocket ship of growth. Uh, we need events like Proof to help fund and fuel their needs because it's it's starting to mirror what what happened to wine here 20 years ago excellent one of our um next big projects is to establish the washington distillers trail oh right a one-stop place for people can go and get information on who has tours what times what brands etc etc it'll be a really nice uh marketing piece for the guild interesting and uh of course our friends over at the washington beer uh association um They've been doing this for a while, so I wonder you guys are trading some or sharing some secrets or some tips on how to be successful. Um, and we're having a good time. Well, we haven't actually started imbibing, but I know Stephen Stone with Sound Spirits is here, and uh, Robert Rowland, who is a mixologist, will be uh, queuing up, teeing up some cocktails. So stick around, folks. We'll be right back with our friends from Proof Washington Distillers Festival right here on Happy Hour Radio. Big names, big news. Sean Hannity, weekdays 3 to 6 p.m., Talk Radio 570, KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle, Somalia, Christopher Chan. All right, happy Saturday night. Hope you're ready for round two. Hope you got something great in your glass. My glass is a little dry right now, but uh, <laughs> I've got Sound Spirits uh, distiller Stephen Stone in studio and uh, Oliver Twist extraordinaire mixologist Robert Rowland, who is going to be mixing up. Uh, Stephen, you call this, this is the special cocktail you're actually serving a proof. What's it called? It's called a Kentucky Rifle. A Kentucky Rifle. That's uh, not Chuck Connors. Was that was he with the Rifleman? <laughs> <laughs> and anyone, no, who knows that out there, right? I'm sure my KVI listeners, but, you know, we're old, right? Um, Kentucky Rifle. Let's give me a breakdown of what's in there. Well, it um, it's a whiskey drink. That's the Kentucky 
reference. And then the rifle part, it's got a little bit of, little bit of a, a chili note to it, so it's a little spicy. So All right, that's so where that comes from. Heat, uh, some calibers, nice. some Tastes slug. Like for the first time. That's, it's got a little bite to it. Yeah, so the ingredients, uh, it's um, two ounces of my Madam Damnable whiskey, uh, newly released. It's a single barrel, single malt, 100% Washington whiskey. Um, it's made uh, with one ounce of depth cacao. Depth is my liqueur line. Ah. The cacao liqueur is made with uh, Seattle's own Theo chocolate inside. Um, also a little bit of my depth chili liqueur. It's an ancho chipotle chili that's uh, newly released. This is the first bottling. How many chilies did you have to go to figure that one out, that little blend? Well, it's... Uh, it's one of those things I was inspired by a Mexican import called Ancho Reyes. It's really popular with the bartenders. It's just, you know, sat myself down and started working on it. And six months later, I had something I was really proud of. The Chipotle gives a little smoky extra sure. little heat. But I, I think that's that's fun. Well, I'm excited. Uh, Robert Rowland uh, with Oliver's Toys. Hey, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. You uh, have been mixologist for how many years here in Seattle? Jeez, uh, nine. Nine. nine so, starting yeah. when you were ten. About that. Thanks. <laughs> um, all right. So you've been to, at Oliver's Twist for how long? Uh, I've been at Oliver's Twist for nine years. I had some okay. pretty iffy, iffy jobs before that in the <laughs> in this industry as well, in uh, yeah, the restaurant industry. All right. Well, actually, it's nice to find your uh, calling in a place that you can call home. Indeed. Um, you know, interesting you say Kentucky Rifle. I thought it might be with Kentucky Rye. That's well, I when think. I first developed the, the cocktail recipe, I was using my Theo, but I was using a Kentucky bourbon um, because I didn't have my whiskey out yet. But I actually won uh, Best of Show for this cocktail in Portland one year at one of their festivals. Oh, right on. Well, and this is going to be one of the featured uh, cocktail zones at Proof. Washington Distillers Festival on July 9th over at Fremont Studios. and Get your tickets at proofwashington.org. Uh, lucky me, I don't have to get a ticket to taste it right now, but I uh, look forward to attending that event. Um, Robert, why don't you go ahead and shake that up, and I'm going to ask Stephen a question. Stephen, as the Distillers Guild, your priorities are really to do what? Well, we're here to help raise awareness of the local industry, as well as you know help get legislation passed that um, helps us grow, as well as, uh, you know, promote the industry in general. Any idea how much revenue uh, the distillers industry, distillery industry is producing for Washington State? Oh, gosh. Uh, great question. I guess, you know, if you were to separate that out between profit, that is, for retail stores versus taxes for the state... Revenues. Well, kind of gross. I mean, that's how we say it. We sell, you know, th a million bushes of apples. It's all that total number. We don't know what the profit is, but... You know, that's a great question. I should do a public records request and find that number out. Yeah, that way you can, you know, tout it. Unless mm -hmm. it's, you know, not big enough yet. <laughs> but I'm sure it's growing, and uh, uh, these events like Proof certainly provide um, an appetite or get people incentive to, uh, to check it out. And really trying is, uh, is the first step to understanding what the spirits are about. Um, what are some of the the challenges you as a small distillery face? Oh gosh. Or you I know, should say craft distillery, I don't want to say small. It's really tough because as a boutique distillery, you know, profit margins are pretty thin. And so it's a challenge to be in the city paying rent and payroll and taxes and actually make any profit at it. So not a whole lot of small distillers are making any money. The idea is that you will get there and grow to be a large enough well, we'll raise Operation. a glass to that idea. And uh, Robert's crafted this cocktail. Um, quite an orange color. This is interesting. Yeah. It's uh, more of an amber. Uh, looks like uh, that uh, fossil amber. Um, Robert, so, you taste it yet? 
And no, I haven't just yet. Um, but this color, yeah, it's a beautiful amber color, and I think it comes from just a small amount of the chili liqueur. Yes, I like, okay, well, um, well, here's to uh, Proof Washington and the Distillers right. Festival on July 9th. Here's to making some money someday <laughs> and Thank following you your heart. Yes. <laughs> Radio silence. Mm. 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 There we go. Now it's coming out. Mm. So you see how the cacao combines with the malt, mm. and the chili comes in there to give it a little kick and a little spiciness. Yeah, I, I like the attack. The attack is, it, it's chilled on the attack. You get the sort of roundness from the, the sweetness of the barrel, but it's, it doesn't bite you. Um, the, the bite's on the finish, and that bite is more of a spice bite. It's not necessarily an uh, uncomfortable bite. Um, complex, and I think that the cacao really makes everything it's like the little scoop of vanilla ice cream in any dessert kind of thing yeah yeah that's my brings things together and softens the uh the chili note at the end there. and this is your new whiskey you said steven yeah yeah it's a, a three-year-old single malt as opposed to a scotch it's aged in a new american oak barrel number three char instead of a used bourbon barrel which is normally how scotch is made so you get a lo little bit more toasty um char and oaky complexity now, they say that uh, certain areas in Scotland are best for maturing or elevating their maturing, I guess is the term for whiskeys. Do you have a special a spot? Do you have an attic or a basement where you those barrels can breathe? And Well, it's interesting you should ask because our latitude is similar to Scotland. So we just age right, right in our warehouse currently, right at the distillery. There's a lot of... There's a lot of tall tales that distilleries... <laughs> You know, we'll point out about how and where they store their whiskey. Some think that you, the hotter you get in the summer and the colder you get in the winter, the better. Some people think a mild seaside, seaside climate is better like Seattle or on the coast of Scotland. Right. So you'll hear both. Yes, well, we all have to spin our, our tails so they work for <laughs> what's going on. In the end, the proof is in the pudding, right? How yes. does it taste to you? And you can't have any pudding if you don't mm. eat your meat. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so, Robert, tell me about Oliver's Twist. Certainly. So, um... Well, we've been around for about nine years. Um, we just started as a small um, local watering hole um, and sort of developed into kind of one of the best places to get a cocktail in town, um, but while keeping that neighborhood atmosphere and, um, yeah, some of the friendliest bartenders and staff. Uh, Sarah and Dan, uh, two owners and a married couple, and love what they do and love the people they, that work for them. And, um, yeah, I can't say good enough things, and been there for about nine years. So yeah, did they do a tequila festival? Um, that, no, no, I think yeah, we're talking about something else. Uh, all right, um, but we've just been, uh, we got a second location down in Magnolia, serving like a nice that nice little community. And, is that uh, in the uh, Magnolia Village? It is. It's okay. Uh, yeah, it's right by the MVP Pub that I think's been there since time all tomorrow. Right. Well, yeah. you got some cocktail. I bet you some folks really like their cocktails up there on that hill. Indeed. <laughs> cool. Uh, open seven days a week. Uh, six days a week. Six days yeah, a week. We, we, we skip Sunday. All right, that's good. So you can. Uh, uh, well, uh, I, we love Black Sabbath. And, uh, <laughs> uh, so proof, uh, Stephen, you you participated in proof every year. Every year. Yeah, it's so our fourth year. And uh, how many people are at this table? How many spirits are you serving? You know, we're we're limited to uh, sell six, just because of you get any more than that, and you're trying to 
You're too busy. And sell. Yeah. yeah. And so usually people only bring what they plan on selling, but you're not, you, you can bring as much as you want to sample your whole line if you like. Interesting. Um, and tips for, for tasting. You've seen this for four, thir- three years now. What, what would be your suggestions for people to really maximize their uh, enjoyment and, <laughs> well, their ability to get home? Well, you know, um, people shouldn't forget that you can spit. Yeah. I mean, that's what the pros do. And, you know, if you're interested in trying a certain amount and when you feel like you're done, you're done, that's one thing. But if you if you want to try a whole lot, then don't forget to that, that, that spitting is is cool. It's not frowned upon. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's about tasting. Yep. Do uh, do anybody, does any, any of the distilleries showcase spirits that aren't yet available on the market? Um, that's, um, you can showcase new releases, but you can't showcase anything that hasn't been approved. Right. So whenever you're getting a a product on the market, you have to get first federal approval for the formula if it's needed. Then you have to get label approval. Then you have to (laughs) get your labels and and go. So it's not something you can just willy nilly roll out. And, uh, they get a, a glass to taste out of, or you have to bring your own glass or bring your own straw. How's it work? Yeah, they'll be getting a glass with their entry. Okay. And, uh, you can just, and drink lots of water, right? You got plenty of water. Always hydrate. To hydrate. And keep, okay. your, keep your stomach full of, of little bi- the bites that we're going to be offering. <laughs> yeah, I mean, these <laughs> restaurants aren't there for themselves. They're there for the people. And when you're smelling spirits, obviously we, we know that aroma is taste in many ways. Um, keys to or tips on smelling spirits. Don't take a big and burn your nostrils out, right? Don't you want to go open your mouth a little bit, sort of uh, take out some of the uh, pressure? You got it. And as a sommelier, you know how important that is. Um, we're not going to advise slurping spirits, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, give it a smell, give it a sip and, you know, breathe out through your nose and make, make sure you get all the olfactories out of this, out of the uh, Excellent. Sampling. That's it. Well, uh, Stephen Stone and Dick Stevens of uh, Varsity Communications, Proof Washington Distillers Festival, July 9th. Thanks so much for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Thanks so much. Uh, you can check them out. Uh, tickets available at proofwashington.org. And coming up next, we're going to keep this cocktail, uh, well, this cocktail party going with uh, Philip Green and Robert Rowland from Oliver's Twist. We're going to talk about where to find the best Manhattan in Seattle. Stick around, folks. Be right back on Happy Hour Radio. He's back, and he's in charge. Kirby Wilbur, live and local weekdays, 9 to noon. Talk Radio 570, KVI. KVI, want to know weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, happy Saturday night, and welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Time for round three. Hope you got something great in your glass. Uh, I've got uh, the Kentucky Rifle in my glass, and it's almost gone, so we better get uh, Robert Rowland, uh, mixologist for Oliver's Twist. Uh, and we also have um, a brand new friend, Philip Green, who is the author of uh, the book, The Manhattan, the story of the first modern cocktail with recipes. Hey, Philip, welcome to Happy Hour. Oh, thanks. Thanks. So you're based in Washington, D.C., and uh, you, you told me that you are a trademark attorney by trade and by career profession, but you have a an interest and enthusiasm, passion for, uh, is it whiskey or is it actually The Manhattan? Well, uh, lately, the both. Uh, I, I'm one of the founders of the Museum of the American Cocktail, uh, and my previous book was 
called To Have and Have Another, a Hemingway Cocktail Companion. So cocktails in general and cocktail history are sort of a sideline, and it, it's, it's just a lot of fun to have you know a day job that you love, but also this, this great sideline that uh, real bartenders, uh, of course, like Robert, you know, tolerate my my, my hanging around and pretending to be a bartender <laughs> from time to time. But, uh. And Robert's been so kind. He's uh, m- made a great cocktail, which will be featured at uh, one of our local, or the local Washington Distillers Festival called Proof. That's taking place um, on July 9th, and he just made a Kentucky rifle from one of our craft distillers, Sound Spirits. So, uh, Philip, tell me about uh, the uh, inspiration for this book, The Manhattan, the story of the first modern cocktail. Well, you're starting to see more sub- single subject matter drink books. Uh, Gary Regan wrote, wrote the great book about the Negroni, um, Robert Simonson, the old-fashioned. The Manhattan deserved it to do. Uh, it was the original drink uh, circa 1875 that introduced this exotic new imported ingredient from, from Italy called vermouth, and sweet vermouth. Uh, Antonio Benedetto Carpano back in 1786 was the first to develop vermouth. Um, in northern Italy, and it started to become imported to the United States in the, in the 1840s, 50s, 60s, and people started thinking about what, what if we put this into the standard whiskey cocktail, what would, what would that be like? And somebody probably in, in Manhattan, New York, uh, did this circa 1875, and it just sort of kicked the doors open to innovation. You know, the Manhattan really changed the face of cocktails. From there, you, people, bartenders were asking, well, what if we tried it with gin? And that became the Martinez or the Martini. What if we use scotch instead of bourbon or rye? That became the Rob Roy. So my book sort of chronicles this this building of of interest in vermouth, in vermouth added to cocktails, and all the amazing offspring that occurred in the 1880s, 90s, all the way up to Prohibition. And it's happening again in the last 15 years or so. The, the great bartenders of Milk and Honey and other bars in, in New York City have been riffing on the Manhattan and the Brooklyn and in my book, you have this compilation of both contemporary recipes, but also the historic recipes going back to the old archival cocktail books, beginning with Jerry Thomas's in uh, um, 1862, the great books of the 1880s, 90s, um, just showing you what the original Manhattan and other cocktails looked like, the proportions of vermouth to whiskey, the different bitters that were being used. So it's sort of a, a, a cross-section view a perspective of of the Manhattan and the cocktail in general for the last 150 years or so. Well, I'm looking at the book. It's a hardcover book. Um, It's well done. Great photos. And of course, these recipes are truly amazing. Uh, The Sukasuma cocktail, the Blackthorn, the Palmetto, the Brooklyn, lots of riffs, as you say, on uh, this beloved cocktail with uh, what anniversary would this be? This were like you said, 1875. So that's about right. Yeah. So it was 150 years ago last year. Did you guys party? (laughs) Why not? Why not? Yeah, it's, it, there's no, actually, there no, there, I don't know of a drink where you know exactly what the history was. They're always sort of cloudy, and maybe that's appropriate. I don't know. But, uh, you know, so I advanced several different theories on who invented the, the Manhattan, where it was invented. There are stories coming out of New Orleans. There are stories coming out of suburban Washington. There are, of course, a number of stories coming out of New York City. They're all worth telling. They're all fun. Um, at the end of the day, does it really matter? Let's focus on what the drink was all about and, and what came from it. So a lot of great folklore and, and stories in the book, and I'm well, really happy with it. And one of the nice things about your book, um, speaking to someone who has quite a large collection already, was to have the kind of contemporary plays on the Manhattan all in one place. Um, 
because I have you know spreadsheets of these things, but now I have them all in one place in your book, and um, yeah, and I have the the story behind it in a kind of a digestible way that I can then turn and either talk to my customers or friends could talk to friends and seem like experts very quickly. It's all about the story too, and especially in any product, you 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 want to know the origin. You want to have some background. Uh, otherwise, we would have we'd be drinking corporate Manhattans, and <laughs> this is a little different. <laughs> so, Philip Green, author of the Manhattan, where can we find this book? You can get it on BarnesandNoble.com. Uh, Barnes and Noble actually is the owner of Sterling Publisher, publishing um, that published the book. But of course, you can also get it on Amazon.com. Uh, they're practically giving it away. The, the retail price is uh, just under twenty dollars, but on Amazon or Barnes and Noble, it's around twelve. So, oh my uh, goodness! Uh, yeah, you got to do your belated Father's Day shopping. <laughs> uh, well, even personal fun. shopping. Celebrate the drink. Celebrate yourself. And um, what's great is that this is actually a working book because you can go through it and make these drinks and find out which one you like best and uh, give you a reason to entertain. Um, and I love the pictures. The idea of the coupe. Um, this is a signature glass for the Manhattan. What do you th- why is that the sp- special glass for this cocktail? I, I think um, cocktails back in back in the day, and now you're seeing it again. They, you know, you wanted kind of a, a small aperitif size drink. You know, maybe two ounces total, two and a half ounces total. Uh, stylish. You know, they always talk about the coupe is, is similar to the champagne glass that, that Napoleon. Um, favored uh, <laughs> after but, Marie uh, Antoinette, I thought. Yeah. So, but you didn't you didn't want you didn't want a drink that was way too big because by the time you get to the to the bottom of one of these crate and barrel sized martini glasses, <laughs> the drink is warm and you're ready to go to bed. You know, it's just you want a cocktail to be be small and 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 really cold, ice cold, and um, you know, ready to enjoy before dinner. And if you want to have another one, you can have another one. But it's gonna be it's gonna be cold and so you see some of this beautiful glassware, and I have a lot of it in the book from from you know a hundred years ago or so. And uh, you know, I think I think we're getting back to that when you go to the the better bars, speakeasies, what have you. You're you're seeing the the, the vintage cocktail glasses. Um, you know the the the, the Tom, excuse me, the um, Nick and Nora glasses, mm. things like that. Uh, Robert. Your idea of the Manhattan. You brought some cock- You brought a cocktail today. What will you be fashioning for us? Well, this is this is the Oliver's Twist. Um, I guess you call it your, our signature Manhattan. It's, uh, it's a Manhattan you'll get whenever you come in. It's uh, uh, two parts rye, one part Carpano Antica sweet vermouth, which I think for for Oliver's Twist anyway, it's the only sweet vermouth that uh, that belongs in Manhattan. Um, Angostura bitters, which most are familiar with, I would imagine, and then I think uh, Gary Reagan's Orange bitters, which is uh, a, a friend of yours, right, Phil? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm excited, and uh, when we come back from this break, we're, we're going to taste that cocktail. But we have a few more minutes with Philip Green. Um, Philip, I have a question. I've always pondered this question. The idea of adding vermouth and carpano, which is absolutely delicious, uh, and bitters to a spirit that we're now supposed to revere, what's the idea? Were spirits a little more, more rough back then, so we wanted to add some things, or were people just sort of uh, looking for some new flavors? Why do we... What I'll say, I don't say dilute, or why do we sort of challenge the the flavor profile of these whiskeys and ryes with um, very very powerful uh, additives like bitters and uh, vermouth or carpano? Uh, back in the 19th century, you probably did have rawer spirits that weren't aged as long, so you were looking for something to soften the edges a little bit. Bitters, 
in the 19th century were very, very popular. Of course, they're popular again, but, but they were very mainstream. Uh, they were used for medicinal purposes. They were being sold to people as, as cure-alls. You know, take this to reduce the you know, fever. Take this to you know, settle your stomach or, or relieve gout symptoms or things like that. This is before the Food and Drug Administration. So you had a lot of claims that just were bogus. But there are, there are health benefits to bitters, but you just have to you know, take it with a grain of salt. Um, but I think, I, I think it's sort of a, ref- this is going to sound cornball, but it's a reflection of America. I mean, we're sort of a melting pot, and the cocktail is a melting pot. You know, yes, you can drink your whiskey neat, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if you want to, you know, jazz up the flavor a little bit, you can add different Amaro, add different vermouths, add different bitters. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. What, what uh, Robert is doing, you know, adding two different bitters. I mean, some of the greatest cocktails... Um, you know, that we know of, like the original straight sling had, had orange bitters and Angostura bitters. And it's just, you know, the seal box down in Louisville. Um, That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. I mean, you know, seven dashes of Peixos bitters, seven <laughs> dashes of Angostura bitters. The Vucure has Peixos bitters and Angostura bitters. I mean, you know, it's just, it's just why not add a little bit more flavor to your whiskey? Um, but, well, it's you know, working. Yeah, it's yeah. working very well. When we come back from this break, we're going to actually uh, dive into um, a Oliver's Twist Manhattan made with rye, courtesy of the bartender extraordinaire Robert Rowland. Hey, Philip Green, stick around. Uh, when we come back from this break, we're going to chat about, uh, well, I want to learn more about this Manhattan story, and, um, well, I want to imbibe with you. So stick around, folks. We'll be right back here on 570 KVI. Start your day the right way. John Carlson, live and local, 6 to 10 a.m. Talk Radio 570, KVI. You're in the know with KVI Want to Know Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, having a good old time here on Happy Hour Radio. I've got Philip Green, who is the uh, author of The Manhattan, The Story of the First Modern Cocktail, and, of course, Robert Rowland, who is the mixologist for Oliver's Twists. Um, Robert, you're making this... What are you making for me? I'm making a rye Manhattan. Um, where we do it down Oliver's Twist. Um, so two ounces of uh, Templeton rye. Templeton rye. Indeed. Uh, one ounce of Carpano Antica. And then two dashes of Angostura bitters and one dash of Gay Regan's orange bitters. Excellent. And you stir this. Why do they stir and not shake? Uh, it's more of a mouthfeel. Um, it doesn't quite get as cold, but by shaking it, you introduce air into the cocktail. Oh. Um, so it both tastes a little different, and it doesn't have that beautiful ruby glow that a perfect, <laughs> well, not necessarily a perfect Manhattan, but a delicious that's your Manhattan. Because yes, it is delicious. Yeah. Well, we should name one. Let's see if yours, we can name yours. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> the delicious. All right, so pour that. I've got a question for Philip Green. Um, where was the Manhattan started? I know I'm thinking it's in New York, right? Or is this Kansas? Uh, there, there, there are a couple of facetious stories in there about a, a Manhattan, Kansas-based cocktail with sunflower <laughs> seeds and, and linseed oil or something like that. But uh, no, the, the Manhattan was very likely invented in Manhattan, probably at the Manhattan Club, which was a uh, a men's club uh, of the Democratic Party that was established right after the Civil War. And like a lot of these, you know, wealthy old-time uh, men's clubs of New York City, it had a great restaurant, it had a great bar, and I found this really cool old newspaper article from 1893 um, that ran in the New York, New York Sun 
and it talked about the the, the rich you know uh, food and, and drink heritage of the Manhattan Club, but focused on its drinks. And I I unearthed a number of old recipes that are sort of based on the Manhattan formula. You've got the Manhattan cocktail a la Gilbert, which is very much like the, the modern-day Brooklyn. You have the Plimpton cocktail, which is a, a, a rum-based Manhattan. It's delicious. Uh, the Queen Anne uses cognac um, in maraschino liqueur. Uh, the Smithtown uses um, rye whiskey, and it's, it's basically the, the, the Manhattan um, meets the whiskey sour because it's got a little, little bit of lemon juice in it. Uh, the Star cocktail uses apple brandy or Calvados. So you have all these different variations that came out of, of the Manhattan Club, um, which, which just sort of shows off the versatility of that platform, you know, the, the three-part platform of spirit, vermouth, and bitters. And the book also gets into some of these other great stories, like the Fanchuli cocktail. Uh, I love the story because I work for the Marine Corps. Uh, the Marine Band was led by an Italian named Fanchuli, who was following in the footsteps of the much more famous John Philip Sousa. And on Memorial Day of 1897, he refused to play the songs of John Philip Sousa. He wanted to play his own work, <laughs> and he was arrested by, by a Marine lieutenant named Draper, not Don Draper, but uh, mm. his name was Henry Draper, and confined to the barracks and court-martialed and was later pardoned by the man who would become president <laughs> a few years later, Teddy Roosevelt. So it's just some of these great old stories that uh, that uh, that surface. In, in the book. In fact, this guy Draper was the, the, the Marine who raised the flag at San Juan Hill at Guantanamo Bay during the Spanish-American War a year later. So it's just all these all these connections that cross paths. Uh, Guantanamo Bay is right near where the daiquiri was invented. So you just ah, can't make stuff up. That's right. Yep. Well, yep. Uh, here's to Hemingway and the daiquiri. Uh, the Manhattan, oh, yeah. the story of the first modern cocktails available at Barnes & Noble and Amazon. Um, I noticed that you've got uh, this wonderful gentleman named Dale DeGroff. Uh, he is one of our greatest ambassadors for spirits. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. The, the King of Cocktails, uh, it, it's such an honor to have him write the foreword. He's, he's, he's a great friend, great mentor. Dale, Jill DeGroff, and I, and a handful of others. Robert Hess, of course, from, from up your way. Uh, Ted Hay, Anastasia Miller, Jared, Jared Brown, um, and uh, Chris and Laurie McMillan, we founded the Museum of the American Cocktail in New Orleans back in 2004, 2005. So um, I've worked a lot with Dale, and, and he's just tremendous. And having him write the foreword was, was, was really great. Uh, so fun. Well, all this talk's making me thirsty. Um, <laughs> Robert, Robert Rowland. Um, Roland Rowland. Roland. Roland, Roland, Roland. All right, so I'm going to take a sip. This is very well presented. A beautiful um, dark chestnut with uh, a lovely orange twist and a uh, looks like one of those Morella cherries on a pick. Indeed. Cheers. I slurped. Yes, cheers. Asante. <laughs> oh. I'm making one here. Yes, mm -hmm. join us. Um, and I have to go back. You mentioned uh, New York, um, and also you said suburban Washington. You meant Washington, D.C., right? Because there's only one Washington. Yeah, there's a... Um there's a story that is, is probably a hoax perpetrated by the Baltimore Sun editor, H.L. Mencken. He tells the story of how the, the, the first Manhattan was, was invented back in around 1840. At, um, we got 20 duel. seconds, Philip, quick. Okay. After a duel that was fought in Bladensburg, Maryland, 
the, the the guy who wasn't shot was so shaken up by all the blood that was spilled, they made him a drink to settle his nerves, and it was the first Manhattan cocktail. But it was probably a spoof perpetrated by H.L. Mencken, the bard of Baltimore. Nice great job. Story. Hey, this is great. Get the book, Philip Green. Congratulations. Um, I love it. The Manhattan, the story of the first modern cocktail. Robert Rowland uh, from Oliver's Twist, a beautiful cocktail. Thank you for Thank sharing. You Gentlemen, thanks for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Um, loving Thanks, it, Phil. folks. Uh, remember, see me at uh, Fremont Studios July 9th for Proof Washington Distillers Festival. And uh, drop down to Oliver's Twist and check out Robert Rowland, master mixologist. Hope you enjoyed the show. And remember, folks, life is always better with the designated driver. Cheers. Cheers.